You. What's good, man? What's up? What's up? Not much. Not much, man. See, I tried to invite Brandon. If we can get him on, cool. If not, it's just gonna be us. Yeah, it's probably just gonna be us. I think he's getting his haircut. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, what's good with you, man? Chilling, chilling. Actually, what's good with the people out there? This is Digger Jones and Two Gun Tony. And this is Digger and Two Guns News and Views. And it's Classic Sunday. Classic Sunday. So, um, what album are we doing today? We are doing a classic from 1995 by the Dog Pound. Dog Food. Dog Food, yes. Yes, sir. Actually. Actually, this is the first time that I actually heard real realism on the West Coast. Well, mm, I wouldn't say that. I mean, their cadence was it, it unmatched was, by. Yeah, it was like it was more so. You know, I wouldn't say it was just that the, the, they had a different flow. Was, right, their cadence was way different. Yeah. Like, it wasn't choppy at all. Right, right. Like an MC8 or, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was, it was, was like a, you know, they were young, too. They were real young. Like, um, wasn't um, Corrupt 17 or 18? They was, they was kids. They was pretty much kids. You know what I mean? Right. Like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, like you know, that whole chronic doggy style, uh, dog food era. They was pretty much, you know, like kids around some heavy hitters. You know what I mean? And this was a Death Row album that went number one on the Billboard charts. Mm-hmm. Also, it's um, when I did the research, it said it was one of the last highest selling, critically acclaimed releases from the label, preceded only by um, what was it? The Dogfather and Tupac's Death Row albums. Yeah. Like, it actually sold more in the first week, almost by double, than Dre did. Yeah, Dog Pound was like, if you talk about Death Row, uh-huh. like, Death Row, that album is, that's Death Row. You know what I mean? Right, right. All the way through. With uh, Daz, I think Daz did, what, 90% of the production? Yeah, he did. I was about to I was about to bring that up. I said it was one of the first Death Row albums not to rely on Dr. Dre's sound. And if you ask me, Dad's sound, it was a hundred percent West Coast and a hundred percent his own style. Like he doesn't sound like no other producer really out there. Right. You like him and Warren G. Like Warren G was like <laughs> Warren G sound was a little more easy going. Because right. the, the funk aspect with Daz was more like he knew how to do both ways, but his was a little hard edge, a little harder edge to it. You know, it had a different little bounce to it. Right. And honestly, this was released in part of the climax of the East West Coast feud, if not yeah. igniting, if not putting more gasoline on it. Yeah, it definitely was. So, like that, that, like 95 was, was a year. Right. And then everything spilled over into 96, and then, you know, we saw what happened after that. Right. And honestly, this album had Jimmy Jam from Jam and Lewis on it. Well, he was playing an instrument, right? 
Yeah, um, on the song So Much Style. Yeah. But without further ado, let's get into the CD. I, okay. I think it's safe to say we could skip the intro, right? Um, pretty much. All right. It, it, it was, it was a, you know, it was it was just an opening. It was just an opening of the album. It was like I wouldn't say it was like a significant intro, but it it definitely opened up to what you were about to hear. It, was it like, caused, yeah, it set the theme. Yeah. So. It definitely was an ill prelude, not even like an intro. It was a prelude until what's coming next. Right. So, opening track, Dog Pound Gangsters, which, believe it or not, is my favorite song on the album. It, it, it might be. It's, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, when you think of a, you know, seminal West Coast track or a seminal death row track, like, this is the best foot in the chest, kick in the door song for, you know, an album opener. Yeah, it's like, it's like as an album opener, that's, that's like one of the, like I said, from the intro to that, it just lets you know what's going to, what you're going to, what you're going to be in for. Right. And honestly, one thing that I love is Daz's wordplay on this. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, corrupts the lyricist, but Daz, Daz made it look so easy. Because Daz, Daz, Daz had that West Coast gangster, like, how you say, like, gangbanging rap. His and, like, his voice commanded attention. Yeah. Like, like you, how I, Corrupt was laid back. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, the foot in your chest. Daz is the foot in your chest, you know. Uh, and, and, and Corrupt was the wordsmith. Yeah. You know, but when you hear Daz, it's like, okay. <clears throat> You know, hey, I'm about to suck your ass while you're heading to school because I'm the right. nigga dad's bitch and I'm a fucking fool. Like, one thing that I hate is, you know, the Dog Pound doesn't get enough, you know, credit. When it no, comes to, like, duos, the Dog Pound is easily top three. Well, you know, what happened with the Dog Pound is that, that the death row shit kind of fucked them up. Okay, yeah. You know, they had the, a good, solid album, and then Daz came back with a very good solo album, and then everything kind of just went left. So, you know what right. I mean? And, and then, then they had an internal split because remember, yeah. Corrupt decided to stay with Death Row. Well, no, Corrupt left Death Row and came back. They well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and then he came back. That was like the start of like the bullshit. Yeah. And after so, that, they went independent and made a lot of money. A lot of money. Mm -hmm. So let's go with number three, the song Respect. Respect. Dr. Dre made an appearance. Mm -hmm. That was so, that was like uh when you think of that song, you think of like that that nineties West Coast kind of Yeah, um and one thing that I want to point out is Prince Tal Joe was in that song. For those mm -hmm. who don't know who he is, he was from New Jersey, he was Rasta. Um, worked with Marky Mark. Him and Marky Mark have an album together. Mm. But um, he signed to Death Row, believe it or not, just to write hooks. Oh, really? He signed to Death Row to write hooks and Suge offered him a full-fledged contract. Mm. He never released a full CD under Death Row. No. But he um, after he died of the car accident, um, Death Row released a posthumous album of his and it wasn't that bad. No. No, nah, not at all. But Nancy Fletcher was singing also. 
That's her name, right? Nancy Fletcher? I believe. Yeah, she did a lot of hooks for um <clears throat> for Death Row. Mm. I want to say her name was Nancy Fletcher. I don't have the CD book in front of me right now, so. Mm, yeah, I don't either. It's somewhere. Yeah, but let's just say it's Nancy Fletcher. She did, you know, her singing part and mm-hmm. like Respect is such a dope song. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that to a bunch of songs on this album because Yeah, this, it's a classic. This album was that good. But this one had that nice Death Row kind of... See, what Death Row did was they made gangster music commercial but only enough for people who didn't listen to gangster music. Right. You know, saying that clichely, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't really call it gangster music, but you know, that was what they were calling it back then. This so, is Def, you, this is Death Row's second number one album. Doggy Style was first, right? Yeah. Okay. Or was it the, the Chronic? Wasn't number one? Was the it, Chronic? Stayed, the Chronic got um to number two. Yeah. So, but this one debuted at number one. Yeah. So. But yeah, <laughs> res- <laughs> yeah, Respect was a good song. Now to yeah. number four, New York, New York came after Respect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what can I say about this song that hasn't been said already? Like, when you... The beat, the beat was just crazy on that song. Right. Um, DJ Pooh did the beat. I remember that. Uh-huh. It was DJ Pooh and Daz did the um, synths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, New York, New York. Oh, my God. I remember the first time I saw the video. You know, Snoop had his hair permed out. Mm-hmm. And you know, Daz had the you know Scully over his face and everything. And this was a pretty much a corrupt solo. Yeah. And and corrupt, you know, being that it was a song called New York, New York, and you know, people used to think, well, West Coast niggas can't rap. He showed them like, not only can we rap, but we can almost rap better than y'all. Right. You know. Wordplay wise, everything wise, right? And honestly, when I think of like when I think of when I started loving rap and started buying CDs, I still remember the first time I heard New York, New York on the radio. I remember yeah. sitting there like, "Yo, I gotta mow some grass. I gotta, you know, yeah, do some shit to get this CD." I I don't remember. You know how I got this this uh, initially? How? Um. I want to say 95, got to be seventh grade. Uh-huh. I think, um, you know, Christmas time, you exchange names or whatever. Yeah. I happened to get my Super best Santa. friend. Yeah, I happened to get my best friend, though, <clears throat> and, uh, for the, for the, for the, you know, gift exchange, and he bought me this. He bought me the dog. Man. Word. But so, I remember, like, New York, New York came out, like, almost, it was like, we just got into school, right? Uh-huh. And I want to say it was like, um, God, like August, September, one of the two. And I remember hearing a song on the radio on the way in the bus on my Walkman. I'm just like, Yo, who the fuck is this? And well, you, you know, know what got what got me on the dog pound was the above the rim soundtrack. Oh yeah, the song. Oh shit, yeah. And then and then I the murder the, was a case soundtrack. And then I think the first single off this was Let's Play House. Um no, let's play house was the second single. It had to be the second single. Because remember New York single? New York New York was the first single. It was? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Actually I gotta Google that just to make sure I'm right. 
Yeah, New York, New York came out September 17th, 1995. Let's yeah. Play House came out on December 15th, 1995. Okay, okay. <clears throat> and um, I remember, another thing that I do remember about this is the Dog Pound was on the cover of the Source magazine. Mm-hmm. They were on the cover with um, Michelle A, mm-hmm. them, and Nate Dog, and it was like the new Death Row. Mm-hmm. And they were being branded as a new Death Row, and I remember, you know, just like, they were at a casino table, and I remember it looking so sharp, so gangster. And I'm just like, yeah. you know, <clears throat> because you've heard these guys all over the um, doggy style. Mm-hmm. You heard a little bit of them on the chronic, right? And you're just like, okay, I got to check for these guys. Yeah. So, but there, that's what I'm saying. It raised excitement the first time I heard New York, New York. Yeah, they definitely did, especially since it was like, especially when you got to see the visual, you got to see the video, right? Running around in buildings, day in the middle of Times Square. Yeah, and Snoop's doing the hook. Yeah. So that leads us to the song number five, the song "Smooth." Smooth. Like that song. This song is just so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly. It- and that that goes to show you again how they made they made gangster music like boogie. You know I'm what I mean? Say, like they always say, gangsters don't dance. We boogie. Yeah, they boogie. Like this was this was really like a lot of this. Um, most of the songs that you would think of were poppy or commercial. It was just like a gangster boogie song. The lyrics, right. of, of course, wasn't commercial at all. Oh, not at all. But hearing it, especially being young, like right, you were checking for lyrics like you are and as adult but you know it was like it was different and the production on this song like not that only, eerie that eerie west but, coast sound but not only the production the engineering and the mastering on this album right it's like one of the crispiest sharpest albums you can ever hear especially it's not when the they, best if not the best engineered death row album it might be one of the best ever. I I co-sign. It might be one of the best ever. Like when you, especially when you hear it in your car, you can hear every instrument, and then you hear how the engine engineered certain parts of the stereo where you hear it on the right and the left, uh, back and the front. Like they did a lot with this album. Right, right. They did a lot with it. Right. It doesn't just blare at you. It actually plays like like it's orchestrated. You know what I mean? Right. So, I'm going to go to the next track, and that's Psych No Like No Bitch Ass Niggas. Man. One thing that I do enjoy about the song is, again, the drums are crisp. Uh-huh. The drums are crisp. Lyrically, one of the best songs on the album. It was a Warren G production. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg came out and did his thing. And one thing that I do love that a lot of people don't realize is the actual remix of this song was the Change the Game remix by Jay-Z. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you ever heard the Change the Game remix? The, uh, that was off the Dynasty album, right? No, that was off DJ Clue, the Professional Volume 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get Volume 2. Oh, you didn't get the Professional Volume 2? No, I didn't. Listen, you gotta, you gotta hear the Change the Game remix, and it has um, the Dog Pound on it. It was Jay Z, Memphis Bleak, Beanie Siegel, and the Dog Pound. Well, the original Change the Game was produced by a West Coast dude. 
Um, Rick Rock, yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, it was just, you know, going back to psych, no like, no bitch-ass niggas, this was one of the most, I can't use the word poppy, but this is the only commercial-sounding song on the album. And it still had that gangster boogie. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. So let's go ahead. I would. Um, I was trying to say like this might be like my least favorite song on the album. Yeah, that's why I said it sounded poppy. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't fit. Let's just say it didn't fit with the rest of the album. It maybe was the placement. Right. Because when you listen to the lyrics, it, it fits. So it, I think it was just the placement. Yeah, but. Honestly, I would call this just like you the worst song on the album, but it's still one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah. And that just lets you know how good this album is. Mm hmm. All right. So we're going to go to Riding, um, riding Slipping, and Sliding. Mm hmm. Like this right here screams Dash Production, even though DJ quit playing the engineer. Mm hmm. Like this right here, like when you think of a good song that Dash produced, this right here should be the first one in the dictionary. Yeah, and honestly speaking, like corrupt, you could at this point you could tell you know he was a lyricist, you know, mm -hmm. a Detroit lyricist living in Compton, Philly, Philly, oh Philly, Philly, oh goodness, Philly. Philadelphia. So this is the Philly nigga living in Compton, and he adopted, mm -hmm. you know, he owned this track. I think he moved to Compton as a teenager. Yeah, he met um and met and he. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's an unsung on him that's really dope. Oh, really? Yeah. If you don't watch any unsung, at least watch the corrupt one. And I know that one's on YouTube. Uh -huh. <laughs> so next is Big Pimpin' Two. You know, just a skit. Yeah, Big Pimpin' was an actual song on um the Above the Room soundtrack. That was a yeah, yeah. So this was uh what is his name uh Delmon um yeah big pimpin Delmon yeah so. so this actually has the same beat as mm -hmm. the original big pimpin but right. this is just you know, somebody a pimp spitting game yeah you know that's what I said you know it's just it's, it's a something skit. unique it was dope it's it unique dope. it's a it's a skit but it's not a skit. Because you know, so it's it's, it's a so, pimp spin game. So it's an intermission, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, you know, it's 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 that pimping aspect. And I remember talking to somebody. I want to say yeah. about this in two thousand two. They were like, "Oh well, that could have been left off the album." I said, "That couldn't be left off the Hell album because that." No. I said, "That couldn't be left off the album because, honestly speaking, even though it's like a minute and change." Mm -hmm. You learn so many jewels off yeah. that minute. And that and led that, perfectly. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, who has a better mouthpiece than a pastor and a parent? Right. And it led you perfectly know? into Let's Play House. Right into it. Right. So let's play house. Let's just get into the video real fast. Uh -huh. Like the video was done at a mansion on a golf course. By the pool. Yeah, that just actually had me thinking, that's the lifestyle that I want. Yeah. Because you got to understand, rap videos at that time were so cliche. 
You know, uh-huh. we're in the street, we're in a car, we do this. But that's the first one that you see really much at a mansion. Where uh-huh. Everybody's having a good time, you know, <clears throat> people in the pool drinking champagne. It had you thinking it was a, like lifestyles of a rich and famous for thugs. Yeah, it was like it was like a um you know, it was like a success right. type of shit. Right. You know? Then it had Michelet on the track. Right. Oh man. Her, it wasn't even a chorus. That was a bridge. That was she a bridge. Had, then the chorus. Yeah. The chorus was Nate Dog. The chorus was Nate Dog. You know, let's yeah. play house. Oh man. Let's give a big shout out to Nate Dog for being like one of the most underrated people who ever was in hip hop. And a lot of people fail to realize that Nate Dog was featured on over two hundred tracks in his career. Uh huh. He was the who's who. He didn't care what clothes you were on. He said, a, "A paycheck is a paycheck," and his voice was like so unique, right? Because like it wasn't like he was really singing, but he was just—it's something you can't even explain. Did you, you know? hear? Um, did you hear the story about him and Ludacris when they did um, area codes? Uh-uh. He said, um, "Ludacris said all I did was just tell him to hook. You know, I got a girl in this city. I got a girl in this city. I got a girl uh-huh. in this city." And a beat was playing, and Nate Dogg says, let me in a booth. And he spit the chorus to Area Codes and said, that's your next track. Wow. Like, I've heard so many stories about that with Nate Dogg. Like, Nate Dogg, all he would have to do is hear an idea and already got the hook in his head, laid it down, and waits for you to finish the track. That's talent. But Let's Play House is actually, I would say, my second favorite song on the album. And not because Mm. it was a radio single. That might be my fifth or six. Like I so said, we'll, go, we'll talk about that at the end what our right. favorite songs are. Next thing is next track number ten, I don't like to dream about getting paid. Another, another track that feature, I was another track featuring Nate Dog. And that's the first one that you know, this is the first track, you know, where Daz is credited doing the whole thing by himself before he did the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. So I don't like to dream about getting paid. Like, the beat was very melodic. Mm. The subject matter was always dope. But this was one of the songs that almost fell flat because I think it was just like you said with um, the other track, it was just where where it was placed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, the album is so dope. Like you could toss every album in the air, every song in the air, and wherever it lands, you can where it lands. Right. It is just as dope. Right. But you know, know. I I think it's just because this came after Let's Play House. I was just like, uh, okay. (laughs) Maybe that's probably where it needed to be, though. Probably. Because it slowed down a while, keep it slow. Right. And then you go right into a raunchy song. Right. Which is uh, if we all fuck? No, nope, actually, do what I feel was next. Do what I feel, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rage, the lady of rage. Now, do what I feel is one of my favorite tracks as well because yeah. rage killed this track. Uh huh. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Daz and Corrupt, they did their thing, but like the centerpiece of this track was the lady of rage. It was. It was like you know she she was she was, she. She was the star of this track, for real. Yeah, it's just like, she was doing something that the brat wasn't, 
that Lil' Kim wasn't. It was just, I wouldn't call her the most lyrical female, but she can hold her own with the guys. You know what it was? It was her lyrical ability and her aggression that didn't sound fake. It like, you know what I mean? Right. I, yeah. Like, like this bitch might really punch you in your face. Right. You know. Right. And and uh, what her song was on um, um, she had a song on the Above the Rim soundtrack also. That was on the Above the Rim too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, like that. Um, should not use Above the Rim to basically get out his roster. Like- it was like a platform for his artist. Yeah, to get out his roster. Uh-huh. Now we can go to number 12 if we all fuck. If we all fuck. Now, the reason why I love this song is because me, me, my brother, and Adam, that's when mm-hmm. we were just like, look, man, if we go to this girl's house, this girl got two friends. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and leave this one over here. You go over yeah. there. And, you know, that's how it went. <laughs> like, this was real spit. And, and I'm so- and- I was going to say, and knowing me and knowing who I am, you already know this is one of my favorite songs. Exactly. I'm certain there are many times in high school where you, you and Carl Cameron, y'all just sat there and went to a girl's house and just like, yo. <laughs> it, it's a teenage thing. <laughs> you know, nobody's home. They coming this way. Exactly. It's a teenage thing. Mm-hmm. And that leads perfectly into some bomb-ass pussy. My December 13th. My favorite song on the album. A lot of people don't realize. Do you know that Daz produced this with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis? Really? <clears throat> I this kid you not. I kid you not. The song "Sabama Ass Pussy." But, was... but the, the funny thing about this song for me is, it's not even my favorite song just because it's it's a nasty song. The beat that that's because it was done by Daz, Terry Lewis, and Jimmy Jam. They did this during the sessions for the Velvet Rope. <clears throat> and and another thing, uh, back to the engineering and the mastering, you hear every live instrument and every subtle instrument louder than you hear like the main beat. Right. And I mean, I, like I want you to look I really want you to look this up, Tone. This song was produced by that nigga Daz, Dr. Dre, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis. Mm. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis played the instruments. I kid you not. I wish I, I got could. My CD. I got my physical copy somewhere in here. I just gotta look for it. Yeah, I kid you not. That's what makes this track so sonic. Because mm-hmm. I told you before, this is one of the five albums. If I lose it, I have to buy it again. Right. You know, and this is definitely one I've purchased two or three, four times. Like Jimmy Jam played the drums, and it was and actual. It was actual drums, not a drum pad. I'm not a, you know, keypad. And this was a song featuring Snoop. It, Snoop Dogg was on it, yeah. And I still think Snoop's um, intro for the song was fucking hilarious. If you, if you ever noticed, the it was a little a glitch in it. Where was that? Um, it says, some some nigga. But when he said nigga, it was like a glitch. You never noticed it? No, no. You got to listen to it. He's like, nigga, bring the camera, nigga. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah nigga, it's bring the camera, nigga. Yeah, tiny little glitch. So, but honestly speaking, like I said, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. the engineering was so crisp on this track. So crisp. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, I can go on and on about this song, but 
like I said, we only got a few minutes, you know. Yeah. So next limited, one, limited time. Thanks to Anchor. Thanks, guys. Oh yeah. Let Let me tell my Let me tell my listeners this. When me and Tone were cut off the other night, it wasn't for the sake of being cut off. Anchor now has this time limit where you have to do 50, 55 minutes per sketch, which I think is bullshit because if we got a good topic like this album right here, we would talk about these songs longer, but we're yeah. on time constraints. <clears throat> the only thing you could do other than that is do it in two parts. Exactly. But, you know, once you're on a roll, like, it kind of fucks you up to be cut off. On, exactly. You know what I mean? Nobody likes to be stopped mid-stroke. <laughs> it's hard to get that thing back up after that. You just lose track. Right. You no. Know? So, all right, let's go on to number 14. That's Dog Days Afternoon. Another song uh-huh. that had Nate Dog. Uh-huh. Nate Dog was the centerpiece of this song. I'm sorry. Nate Dog was like the centerpiece of Death Row, period. I agree. Like the centerpiece of just West Coast. Like Nate Dog turned the worst song in the on All Eyes on Me into something listenable. Mm-hmm. That's the song Scandalous, which we will talk about that CD up up and down the road soon. So, <clears throat> But Dog Day, Dog Day Afternoon, a, another song with a good subject matter. Production as crisp as ever. Lyrics. Ly- lyrically Sonic. It's nothing Dog- really bad. You know, what's so, you know what's so bad about this album? What's that? That is so fucking good. Like, it, it, you can't say shit bad about it. You really can't. You can't. <clears throat> you know, it, it'll be songs that you like le- le- less than others, but it's, it's still one about... of the CDs. It's still one of the CDs where you don't push the fast forward button. Hell no! You might press the the rewind button. Exactly. Like the well, skip button. One or two times. The skip button doesn't fit on this album. It really does. You doesn't. know what? This album is so dope. Like, it should be played as a cassette. I agree, yeah. And just let it go. <laughs> just let it ride through. <clears throat> yeah. Like, classic albums like this, like, back then where there weren't CDs, these albums played all the way through. And I had the cassette tape also. Yeah, that's why I had the cassette first myself. So I had the cassette tape. And then I graduated uh, to the CD, and I still remember the first time I opened the CD and saw the big blue dog print. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so fucking dope. <laughs> you know? And then the back of it, it was like sitting in jail. Sitting, yeah, it was an illustration of them sitting in jail watching TV. Uh-huh. Just a bunch of dogs. Mm-hmm. So. But they had a dog to represent everybody on death row. Yeah. So. But that was so dope. Dog's Day Afternoon is such a good track. Which, What's after that? Reality. Which just reality. The song that had Trey D in it. That's that's one of the coolest. That's like the coolest song on the album. Right. And honestly, me. honestly, Trey D, who does well with the East Side, has always done well with Snoop, fit in this song without even sounding forced. He's, he's, he's like really an OG. Yeah, he is. You know, so... And he could say what he want on the record. It's gonna be good because you know that's just his personality. Like even just to hear him talk, like certain people just to hear them talk, you already know like whatever they say on record, it's gonna be authentic. And you know what I mean, right? And at this time, he was an older cat because I think he was easily in his thirties. Because remember when he released, yeah, when he released um the first Eastsider album, 
what was that, in 1999 or 2000? Mm-hmm. He was about 35. Yeah, he got some age on him. Yeah, so. But, um, like I said, this song, Reality, like you said, one of the smoothest, coolest tracks on the album. Mm-hmm. Daz does his thing, Corrupt does his thing, Trady does his thing. And nobody Trady out- was, nope. was a star on this track, though. Yeah. Nobody outshined anybody. No. So he's like but for him, like when you hear a different verse, a different voice, like it's a new voice. Right. And then just as good as what you hear before is like <laughs> give give them that star shine, you know what I mean? Right. Like it, he didn't sound out of place. Yeah, not at all. Right. Like so. you could tell he was the old the older cat. Right. So the next track we got is One by One, second to last song. That might be my second favorite song. Okay. Now, I can't trust so many hoes nowadays because they be walking around with that shit called AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's so funny because the thing about it is they say what you're thinking. Uh-huh. And they're, they're very unapologetic about it. Like, and, when and you hear the... Th- go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say the first line of Dad's verse lets you know how West Coast this song was. He said, "I'm on top of the world with niggas with perms and Jerry curls." It don't get no more West Coast than that, right? Like, honestly speaking, this right here is one of the songs that we. I used to go to the car wash, right? Wash my car and just had this playing from the speakers, uh-huh. because it was just that good. Oh, yeah. Now, that leads us into the last track, So Much Style. So Much Style. Hmm. I love the track. I did. I say it's in my top five of the album. That's my least favorite. Is it? Yeah. Okay, because I think it's my least favorite because the one coming before that, I feel that should have been the last song. The album like, closer. Yeah, ended out with a bang. Right. You know, it's like when you hear something and hear that, it kind of took away from it. It's Good just like how still. it's just like how I feel about some of my favorite albums, like Equipment Eye by Outcast, which is what we're doing for next week's um classic Sunday. Uh-huh. The song Liberation should have been the album closer instead of Chonky Fire. And, and I, I feel see, that um, I see how you're going with this one. Yeah, just like on uh, the Seven Day Theory, I think. Um, what's my song? Against All Odds should have closed it. Against All Odds did close the album. It did. Yeah, that was the last song. Okay, yeah. so that worked right. Yeah. Why am I thinking that wasn't the no, last song? No, um, I think you're thinking All Eyes on Me because the album ended with Heaven Ain't Hard to Find. But there was a track called okay. We Ain't Hard to Find that was right before that. That would have been a okay. dope album closer. So <clears throat> I see what you're I see where you're going. Like yeah. one by one should have been an album closer. Now that I think about it, you're right. Uh-huh. I think here's how I think it should have been. It should have been so much style, dog day afternoon, then reality, then one by one. Uh-huh. Because so much style would have followed up bomb ass pussy. Perfect. Yeah. Why am I thinking that Against All Odds didn't wasn't the last song? Against All Odds was the last song, I promise you. Yeah, it was. 
So, but where would you rank this album at a scale of one to ten? Where would you say dog food? Um, dog food is for me. Yeah, ten. I think this is the first album that we both agreed that was an honest ten. Yeah, because, what did you say for um, East nineteen ninety nine? Um, East nineteen ninety nine. Remember, I said eight and a half. Yeah, you know, I said ten for that. Well, of course, I know. That. <laughs> yeah, I said it was an eight and a half. Uh-huh. And I gave Scarface's The Diary a nine. I gave that. What did I give Scarface? I think I gave that an eight. And you gave it eight. Nine. You gave it an eight. And and I gave it an eight for the for the choruses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But honestly, this was the. I will say this is the first real, real solid Death Row release, because we all found problems with the Chronic. We found problems with Doggy Style. But this was the first Death Row album that we said, damn, that was actually a, you know, actually a dope release. Uh-huh. Brandon B. Lucini says, I give it an 11. Yeah, she said that to me. I didn't want to, you know, I ain't even going to lie. I was going to say 13. I really was. But I didn't want to just, you know. You know, shout out, it there. shout out to B. Lucini. He says, y'all uh, can't hear me, but I'm still here. <laughs> it's definitely a perfect album, though. Right. I mean, honestly speaking, it's like perfect. like like when we did, you know, when we do classic albums, we couldn't give Ready to Die something high because it aged horribly. Mm-hmm. Um, Scarface did age a little bit. East 1999 aged a, a little, little bit. bit. But but this CD just, just has not. Yeah, that's oh. what I said, a little bit. <laughs> but dog just food, a little bit. Dog food really hasn't aged. Uh, yeah, and uh, Only Built for Cuban Links didn't age at all. That's right. That's right. We gave only I gave Only Built for Cuban Links a 10 also. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep on forgetting that we did that. That was our first classic Sunday. So, so far, it seems like dog food is... Is, is the only the one, one that got... No, because only Bill from Cuban Links got 10 from B also. Yeah, it did. So, this is the second CD that got all 10 from all three of us. But even still, I think dog food was more perfect. It's a more perfect album than... um. Think only built for Cuban Links, and well, and the reason why I would say that also is only built for Cuban Links. You really had to pay attention to the story, and 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 this gets a perfect rating for me because, like I said, the engineering and the mastery exactly. Yeah, it's like the crispiest thing you could ever have. Right, right, right. I wish I can. I wish we can go back to the old anchor app because I would like to hear what Brandon has to say. Yeah, <clears throat> but you know, like I said. It's, it's politics. Anchor's supposed to be going through another update tomorrow. Oh, shit. So, politics. I know all the fans of the show are a little disappointed that we can't even hear him do Dennis Edwards. <laughs> but we can hear him do it. Oh, yeah, that's right. We can hear him, but he just won't be on the phone. Oh, no. We'll find a way. <laughs> we'll find a way. Brandon, if you're listening, front and center. Yeah, that's right. If you're listening, front and center. But um, another thing about it standing out the test of time is you got to understand, this was an iconic album on such an iconic label. Yeah, I just went through a brain freeze. What's the name of that song? Don't Look Any Further. Yeah, Don't Look Any Further. 
No, but like I said, it was this is an iconic album on such an iconic label. Yeah. Like when you think of how perfect Death Row was, this album has to be in top three easily. I just want to say how many minutes have we already been been doing this? Forty minutes and ten seconds. So we got three minutes. Brandon is right. currently at the liquor store. Okay. On a Sunday. On a Sunday. So that's right. <laughs> All right, so now that we got done with this classic Sunday, is there anything we want to bring to the forefront? Like what? Like anything, man. Like we got we got fifteen more minutes, right? Fifteen minutes to talk shit. I mean, we could easily end the show now, or we could just let me tell you. Oh, let me take. Let me tell you about the other night. So I got so many people talking about the show we did the other night, right? Oh, shit. Did you not edit it? No, I didn't edit it. I didn't want to edit it. (laughs) I didn't want to edit it. No, because the thing about it is, you know, I don't want to censor you. I don't want to censor me. Whatever we say is what we say. And a lot of people were just like, yo, that story that you told about homeboy, you know, tricking them dudes. That's fucked up. I, I, I don't want anybody to feel like we were coming for anybody's neck or down talking anybody's lifestyle. Like that. You know no, what I mean? No. Like I said, I got gay friends and I got, you know, gay family members. But, you know, there's certain things. When Here's the thing. If you're misleading somebody for your sexuality, that's terrible. Or if you're <clears throat> downing somebody because they don't agree with your choices. Yeah. That's just, you know what I mean? Right. That, that's, that was my whole thing with saying how the girl said, the man, girls, you know what I mean? Like, like Laverne Cox. Yeah, like that's, yeah, how can you say that to me? You know what right. I mean? You know, a lot of people, like, they, weren't, they weren't mad at you for that. Mm-hmm. They, there were some people who just like, you know, I don't understand where he's coming from. He shouldn't let what she, he shouldn't let what he said bother him. That this and the third, but I see where you were coming from, and I'm not going to sit. I'm not going yeah, to sit there. I'm not going to sit there and be like, "Oh no, well, you need to stop thinking the way you're thinking." Tone was right because the thing about it is, you're a grown ass man. You didn't say anything wrong. You say how you feel. This is the beauty about being an American. We can say what the fuck we want to say without and, any and what people are not understanding it, it doesn't bother me at all. Okay. It, came, it came on topic from somebody, from the designer City Stark thing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I was actually the one who said, like, some of them, you, you, you just don't know. Right. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, that's if that's what you are, and you approaching somebody who's straight, you should let them know. You know what I mean? It's common courtesy. You know, like, it's just, it's that's just what it is. Like, that's just shit you just disclose. Like, if you're about to sleep with somebody and you know you got to hurt, tell somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or just, or just stop fucking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, it goes... Like if I come to you, and right. I, I and you tell me you do something, mm-hmm. but 
when you do it, you can't do it and you got to get somebody else to do it or you never can. It's like you misled me to think something else. Exactly, yeah. But when you're talking about your personal space and your personal body and your own type of, you know, sexual sexuality, not insecurity, it's like, you know, that's just kind of wrong. Right. Oh, you know? an another thing I want to tell my people is starting in 2000, what year were we? 17th, 2018, I'm going to start doing shirts for Classic Sundays. So I'm going to start doing shirts. I'm not certain if y'all have seen the Nas shirt that's on MixUnit.com. I'm going to do those for all the albums that we talked about on Classic Sunday. Get that. Get the bike rating. Even some CDs that y'all want to see. We're going to start doing that with the mic ratings. I don't know what I'm going to sell them for first. I got to develop a website. I got to, you know, do all this stuff. I got to make sure my shirt print and press presses the shirts properly. Oh, I got a good idea for that, too. I don't know if you want me to say it say out it. loud. No, go ahead and say it. That's what the show's oh, for. You have the, the CD cover or the vinyl cover on the front. Right. You have the the back jacket on the back, just like an actual CD. Right. Oh, my brother, my brother said the same shit. And then on the sleeves, put the tape. Word. Like the cassette. So it'll be like a logo. Or, or put the cassette somewhere like on the back, right above, the, uh, like below the neck. Uh-huh. Because you know, like cassettes and CDs were totally different. Right. Like what it showed you, was, you know, it stops at a certain point, side A and side B. Right. What my brother said was, to do the front of the shirt, like you see how the Nas shirt look, right? Mm -hmm. Have the album cover right there, and you know, in smaller letters, just say like, um, what's it called, Capone and Noriega, the War yeah. Report, and have the four mic rating that it got, uh -huh. and the producers, and have the front cover on the back and the back cover on like where your, the nape of your neck is on the back, yeah. uh -huh. like a logo for the nape of the neck on the back. <clears throat> so and he said you know he said that would be a dope idea but it's like I said I don't have the print and press yet so I'm just letting people know because I'm going to get the print and press soon I'm just letting people know in 2018 this is what's coming it, this could start as early as December but it's just going to be out in 2018 go for Cuban links Right. 